Well, it's that time of year again. Projects are in full swing, and you know what that means. you got to make that trip up to Jacob's Supply. Whether you're a contractor or builder, or you're checking those things off the to-do list around the house, now is the time to visit Jacob's Supply. Guys, listen to some of the crazy good deals they have going on right now. PVC decking for $2.99 a linear foot in 10 different colors. Composite decking for $2.35 a linear foot in two colors. Treated decking for $0.65 a linear foot. Duralife composite rail kits available in select colors starting at $64.99. And don't forget the vinyl rail kits also available in stock. Need the fasteners? They have those too. Hidden or visible? Clips or screws. Jacob Supply is located in Temperance, Michigan, but ships many products nationally too. So whether you're in-state or out-of-state, they're just a click or call away. Check them out at www.jacobsupply.com or call them at 734-224-0978. That's 734-224-0978 or click the link in the description of this episode. Jacob Supply, your one-stop shop for products you need at prices you love. Hey guys, you got to join us at the Thank God for Bitcoin 2024 conference in Rocket Town, Nashville, July 24th and 25th. Last year was phenomenal and this year is going to be even better. G.K. Chesterton once said, I never discuss anything else except politics and religion. There is nothing else to discuss. Given how secular our current world is, this might sound strange. We can think of many things that don't initially seem political, but whether we recognize it or not, religion and politics define the playing surface and rules that govern our lives and actions. And money is one of the most powerful tools in enacting the wills of both government and God. Although we all use it, few Christians have a rich, biblically grounded, historically informed framework through which to understand what money is, and consequently the effect it necessarily has on how we think about economic issues. Well, that won't fly at this conference. We're talking stewardship, dominion, and the economics of glory with some of the biggest names around. Speakers include Michael Foster, C.R. Wiley, Dr. Ben Merkel, Dr. Glenn Sunshine, Nate Fisher, Jordan Bush, and many, many more. You won't want to miss this lineup. This is one of the most intellectually powerful theologically sound, and all-around good-time conferences you can go to this summer. So go to www.tgfb.com, that's Thank God for Bitcoin, www.tgfb.com, and get your tickets today, or click on the link in the description of this episode. See you there, guys. Christians, are you tired of just talking about starting a parallel economy and not doing anything about it? The Workspace Conference is the catalyst you've been waiting for. Join us this June 28th and 29th at the Hilton in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Engage with leading Christian thinkers like David Bonson, C.R. Wiley, Steve Jeffrey, David Reese, and Andrew Krapyshevs. They'll share invaluable insights on how to actively integrate your faith with your professional life in ways that really matter. These leaders are not just thinkers, but doers, shaping a Christian approach to business that makes a real impact. This event is more than speeches. It's a vibrant networking hub for Christian professionals and entrepreneurs eager to create substantial change. It's an opportunity to forge meaningful connections, explore new business opportunities, and collaborate in a faith-driven environment. Don't miss the highlight of our networking opportunities, the exclusive speakers dinner. This is a premier event where you can dine with our speakers and other influential guests, deepening relationships and discussing ideas in an intimate setting. We are also actively seeking partners who are passionate about building a Christian economy. If you're interested in collaborating or sponsoring, we'd love to hear from you. And make sure you join us for Beer and Psalms for some relaxed fellowship and let's turn our faith into action together. So reserve your spot now at www.worksbase.com That's worksbase.com or click the link in the description of this episode and be part of building a dynamic Christian professional community. Let's move beyond talk, fellas, and start creating the change we want to see.
Did you have anything you want to talk about tonight, Jason? I was I, something I was thinking about earlier. Um, I don't know if there, anybody wants to jump in on this or not, but I know the uh, the church tends to well certain certain uh, parts of the church like to talk more about prosperity, you know, the health and wealth mm -hmm. um, gospel more than the gospel. Um, and uh, what are your thoughts on, or anyone can chime in on this, but what are your, you guys' thoughts on prosperity? Is that what Christ was um, getting at? Or was he more, you know, speaking of salvation? Or, you know, I mean, like, yeah. we, we tried to run after the prosperity, um, you know, oh, he wants us to be healthy. He wants us to be wealthy. He wants us to have nice things. We have to have a big house. We have to have all this stuff, you know, like is, I just don't really see uh, any, I mean, I'm not, I'm not denying that. Well, I, I don't see any biblical support for well, I, that being the main yeah, thing, you know? Right, right. Me either. Yeah. Cause I mean, I do read in, in Psalms. Yeah. He, he does bring prosperity. And in Isaiah, it does say prosperity and calamity. You know, so it's like, I mean, yeah, it's like there are there are things that we are given um, and we should steward them correctly, you know, but oh, um, and there's nothing ambitious, nothing wrong at all with being ambitious. We're I, I feel like we're mandated to be ambitious. Um, yeah. But uh, but when it comes down to it, you know, um, our corner of the kingdom, um, you know, are we supposed to be, you know, striving for the uh, prosperity side or the salvation side where we're trying to get closer to Christ, you know? No, I don't know if that all ends or not. Sorry. No, that all, on a rant. that all makes sense. And if anyone wants to jump in on this, just go ahead, raise your hand. We'll bring you guys right up. But because um, it's an open discussion. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with... Um with being prosperous. I mean, my, one of my favorite books of the Bible is Proverbs and all that book does is tell you, don't be lazy, have a work ethic, uh, you know, treat your riches, uh, not with contempt, but with joy and gladness. So and it was written by mostly, you know, one of the richest, uh, men in the history of the world. I think the prosperity gospel gets off when gets off track, when they replace prosperity with, with salvation. When they replaced the reason why Christ saved you, it wasn't for health, it wasn't for wealth, it wasn't for a blessed life. It was because you're a wretched right. sinner and you needed His grace. Um, and you never really hear from the prosperity crowd too much. Uh, his grace is enough. Joel Olstein actually touches on that a little bit, and but he does it more from like a positive confession. He'll say something like, "And you might be going through something, and you don't hear God." you know, talking and you, you, your finances aren't right and your marriage is upside down and, and you don't see God just hold on, just persevere and, and God will come through for you. Well, he, he very may well, but it might not be the way that you're putting him in a box. His coming through might be your finance finances being dissolved, might be your business going under, might be him moving you into another place of scarcity or in the desert to refine you. And that's what's lacking from the prosperity gospel is, is it's all one, very one-sided, in my opinion. And the gospel isn't one-sided at all. It doesn't promise health. It doesn't promise, um, you know, that you're going to be poor. What it does promise is that his grace is enough. And, and that's the pair that, you know, kind of the worldview we should have in every situation that we go through in life. I mean, wouldn't you agree with that? Totally. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think that there's, uh, the gospel just tends to, <laughs> Maybe I should say the Americanized gospel at times, yeah. Um, in certain circles, turns into a um, 
uh, you know, health, wealth, um, you know, uh, God is your genie um, type gospel rather than like, just like you just said, you know, Christ is enough. I mean, his grace is sufficient. Um, you know, you, you, whether you're a janitor or you're the CEO of Apple, you know, like, I mean, Christ gave you that occupation, that vocation and, and you, you matter to him, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you're being, uh, uh, you know, uh, just suppressed or, or, or abandoned or, or whatever. If you have that, that vocation that might not seem like from the world's <laughs> viewpoint, like it doesn't matter, but yeah, you know, when it goes vocation, I mean, Rod, Rod Martin actually was talking about this on his, uh, uh, Facebook page, which we really need to get him on the show again, man. It, he, he, uh, but he was talking about vocation and just how much, you know, everyone matters in the kingdom. Like we all matter in the kingdom, you know, like we yeah. have to realize that like, it doesn't, you know, not everyone's great at eschatology. Not everyone is great at, uh, even being a theologian or being a scholar, you know, there's, there's, uh, different things, that, uh, gifts and things that we all have that, uh, you know, are, are helping the kingdom um, you know, prosper and, and, uh, and whatnot. But I don't know if anybody wants to speak on that. I see Steven popping up. So heck yeah, man, jump on in. Adam, you are more than welcome. Shatorio. Sh- sh- I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Please, please jump up. What do you got for us, I Steven? How like, you doing? Uh, what's up? Good, guys. I feel like Jason's saying not everyone is good at eschatology is a dig at me since I'm dispensational. So thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Oh, man, you're great at eschatology. You weren't going into the uh, the chip in the hand stuff, so we were okay. <laughs> Jason, let's get his um, address and send him your a great at eschatology card. <laughs> yeah, heck yeah, man. He needs a, he needs a dead man walking hat anyway. So I don't know. I'll, yeah, maybe we maybe, should maybe send we one should. of those out to him. <laughs> That'd be great. But uh, yeah, I was just thinking, uh, Greg, about what you said a couple minutes ago, and just to sort of circle back to the prosperity gospel, and really, like you said, anything that um, really the false gospel is anything that gets away from the the reason why Christ came, which is for our salvation, that we could be united with Him for God's glory. And I think that, yeah, over the past several decades, that's been a big thing, you know, in America, obviously. But, you know, I think I was just saying something today about this. I think the new sort of false gospel in America that's taking hold is all of, um, you know, the liberation theology and CRT and yeah. And people who essentially say that, you know, Christ came to freely oppress, um, specifically free people from worldly oppression, ah. uh, which is, you know, which is not the case. It's, you know, the main oppressor is, is our own sin. That's our biggest enemy. But I sort of see that as being the new, I guess, the new in vogue uh, American gospel, if you will. Oh, 100%. And it's always funny how Christ came for a spiritual kingdom, talked spiritually, said spiritual things, and then we always take it and interpret it to physical things. Isn't that funny how we do that with a lot of Christ's words? And I think I agree with both of you guys and what I was thinking when Jason was talking. Yeah, for sure. Oh, no, no, no. I I was just going to say for sure with uh, the physical side, whenever um, John the Baptist was saying the kingdom is at hand, 
you know, and, uh, and I think this kind of goes along with some of my eschatology, but, uh, <laughs> so sorry, sorry. I, we're not doing an eschatology show again, <laughs> but we can, we can, but, uh, but whenever someone hears like, like, you know, the kingdom is, is now that Christ is on his throne right now, you know, they're like, Oh, really? So then nobody gets sick. Oh, so nobody, you know, nobody dies. Nobody, you know, right. no, that's, that's not we're saying, but anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, you know, there's a lot of spiritual things that both the Old and New Testament talk about. When you hear the misquoted verse, by his stripes we are healed, and we apply it to physical healing, when in fact that's a salvific verse. Um, You know, the prophet is talking about the healing from sin. When Christ said, I came to set the captives free, to, uh, you know, unbound the oppressed— he wasn't talking about physical captives. He was talking about the oppression of sin. And he was the way, the truth, and the light. And he came to unbound us and take us out of oppression of sin. So it's always a little weird to me when we take things that are that he's talking about in his spiritual kingdom, which do act out in the real physical world, don't get me wrong, but we make it about physical goods. And I think it's very easy to do that in the American church because our entire gospel is set against the backdrop of American exceptionalism, liberty, freedom, consumerism, physical goods, right? And I'm not saying any of those things are bad, but when we, when we let that influence what the Word of God says and what Christ said, those, those red letters, I think we have a real problem. And I think that's why prosperity gospel, too, is so enticing in the Western uh, Christian world, because one, we, we are so rich, we are so blessed. You know, I've said this stat many times on the podcast, if you are Oh, if you are a single male making more than $34,000 a year, you are in the global 1%. There's 99% of people are poorer than you. And uh, you, if you would go to him and say, do you feel blessed or do you feel like you're making enough money? His answer would probably, for most people, be no. I need to make more. I look left and right and I look at my neighbors. I see what they have and keeping up with the Joneses and all that. So it's very enticing in, in this culture, because we're trained to think in consumerism, we're trained to think to get to the next level. And I would submit that even if someone empties themselves of that, okay, let's say you're a, a believer, you're in the word, you've emptied yourself of, hey, I need to have the next best thing. It's still hard, even within the Christian community, you look around and then people say, you know, I don't have a ministry. I don't have followers. I don't have the uh, likes on my Facebook page that uh, I've created to minister to people. And then that even becomes a comparison. And the ultimate goal, and this is what the prosperity gospel leaves out, is that your ultimate goal in life is to bring glory to God, whether that's, like you said, the CEO of Apple or your mopping floors in a high school after hours. If you can bring glory to God in that position, then God is pleased and he is satisfied, and you should be pleased and satisfied in Christ. That's what the Bible says when it says we rest and we're pleased in Christ, when Paul was talking about being pleased in Christ. So, and that's hard. That's hard when you're in a culture like the American culture and the Western Christian culture where, you know, you tell someone, what's your ministry? And they say, mopping floors at a, at a high school. They go, well, what are you talking about? Well, my life is my ministry. It shouldn't matter what I have, what I own. It should be glorifying God in, in everything that I do. And boy, does the prosperity gospel really get that wrong because they make it really centered around acquisition. Uh, when in fact it's, you know, following Christ is emptying right. yourself of, of this culture and of this world. What I hear is a, uh, is a works-based gospel. It's, uh, 
you know, I was a good little boy. I was a good little girl. And, uh, I have all these things, you know, and it, and it, it's the striving for, um, your own type of, uh, perfection, uh, your own, um, you know, I mean, just think of the workspace gospel, I guess. Um, and that's, that's usually what it comes down to. If you don't get something, if you, uh, experience a hardship, that means that God doesn't love me, you know, right? that means that, and that's what that, that teaching usually tends to, that's why it hurts people, you know? And I think that's why part of the reason why I love reformed, <laughs> reformed teaching. Um, uh, but yeah, but Stephen, you have any, you have any thoughts on that one, man? Or anybody? Uh, no, I mean, I think pretty much what you guys said. Yeah, I think you loved Reformed teaching because it's biblical. Uh, but you, <laughs> but you did bring up a good yeah, point. Is, <laughs> is we really, we really don't talk about the hurt that that type of gospel can cause, um, and the hurt that we're going to see the type of social gospel that includes critical race theory and and liber, you know, liberation theology and all that stuff. Stephen mentioned we're just at the cusp of that to where it's really entering into this generation to where a generation or two from now we are going to start seeing the hurts that are caused by that just like now we're seeing the hurts caused by the prosperity gospel by the grace of god i talked to more and more people who have come out of that prosperity gospel and they said man i, I grew up in it in church or i latched on in college and and i thought you know that's what the bible taught and and that, that's what I, was expected of me and jason to your point what has more than often most people said to us when they come out of that is Oh my gosh, it just felt like I could never attain. It was my fault. I couldn't get to that next level. This, this, you know, I read my Bible and I did this today. So now God loves me. And tomorrow I slipped up and, you know, I only read uh, one chapter of the Bible. So now God doesn't like me and he won't bless me. And it is very works based. And that's not to say that you don't do works when you're saved. Okay. As a reformed room right now, we're not saying, Oh, God saved us. His grace is awesome. We just sit back and, we wait till we rule and reign with him forever. That, that's not what we're saying at all. And I would point you to James about a dead faith versus an alive faith. But your salvation isn't based on that. And, I, and I've talked to so many people that's come out of that prosperity gospel, kind of the NAR movement, even a little bit in the social justice. I've talked to a few people, minorities that have come out of that kind of uh, movement. And they just said it was it's it's either victimhood or it's I can never attain. And that's right. no that's no way. You know, we might seem rough and tough around the edges when people looking into reform, like, oh, they're just a bunch of by the book, yeah. principle, black and white. They don't like this. They don't like that. They're against all these things, which is true to some extent. We're, we're against things that, you know, aren't of God and aren't biblical. But at the same time, right. uh, some of my reformed brothers and sisters, I've never met uh, people that are more in love with Christ, that that yeah. by understanding who they were and understanding who God is and his holiness and righteousness, look to him and say, I'm so grateful for the gift of grace and faith that you gave me. Why wouldn't I want to tell other people about this? Why wouldn't I want to serve you every day? Why wouldn't I want to wake up in the morning on my knees and bless your name? Because I think the paradigm shift in your mind, you understand who you are in relation to God. and when you think God is a sugar daddy in the sky and he's only going to reward you if you're good, well, guess what? Um, we had John Moffat from Theocast on and, and he just said, if you read the Bible, the Bible 
yeah, you're not good enough. There's nothing you can do. <laughs> Sorry, you know. So, but the good news is Christ's righteousness has done it for you, and it, yeah. it's so true. I've had I've had a couple of uh, people actually tell me experiences where they were told that they didn't have enough belief, whether yeah. they were going through a hard time in life, whether they, uh, you know, they were, uh, I think one friend was uh, sick and in the hospital just praying, you know, for a healing, just wasn't happening. And uh, uh, someone said to them, well, you need to, you need to check your belief because, you know, that's probably where you're lacking. And it's like, I, I, I mean, how could you even say that to someone for one, you know? Too like I mean, uh, who is there? A, is there a uh, a belief meter that that we have out here that you know <laughs> if something isn't happening for someone? Is that because of them or you know? It's like uh, I would yeah, say if but, there was a belief meter, not one person on earth would ever get. If it's on a scale of one to ten, no one would get to that ten either. So yeah, your right. belief isn't enough. Your faith isn't enough. The right. Bible says even your faith is a gift from God. Yeah, you know it's it's just this repeating uh, you know theme of. Everything goes back to God. The, the faith you right. have, the grace you have, any mercy you're shown in your life, it is from God. There's nothing you can do to earn it or deserve it, or it wouldn't be grace, and it wouldn't be mercy. Right, and your best works are filthy rags, right? Yeah. Isaiah said. No, absolutely. Jason, you know that we love reformed Christian businesses, right? Yes, we do. And we love supporting them. Yes, absolutely. And we got a pretty cool one for you right now. Guys, you need to go to RighteousWretch.com. And why? Why should they go there? Because they have so much merch that is worth <laughs> spending that hard-earned money on. Yeah, they have some cool shirts, keychains, mugs, and it's all... Christmas ornaments. Christmas ornaments. They? Yeah. <laughs> and they're just so cool. I mean, they even have a John Kelvin, uh, the only election that matter t-shirts that oh, actually I got banned it. from Facebook <laughs> and Instagram. That's so cool. Anyone that gets banned from Facebook is friends of ours. Oh, yeah, they are. <laughs> and these shirts that they have, guys, they're so comfortable. They're like buy and try blend. They're not that like cheap, stiff, kind of one-size-fits-all t-shirts. They're high quality. You feel good. You look good. Uh-huh. And some of the sayings and some of the stuff that they come up with are just really cool and really neat. Definitely. Great conversation starters, too, by the way. Yeah, and if you watch our YouTube videos, you'll see us wearing a couple of them. I yep. know I have the Sole Fida. You've got about 200 I have, Yeah, I have five of them. Yeah, <laughs> I love those things. So It's probably just the five solas. <laughs> <laughs> you got all five solas. So we're personal believers in them, too. Look, yep. at, they're brothers in the Lord. They're trying to bring glory to God, and they have a great company. Go to www.righteousretch.com and check out what they have. Yep. But yeah, uh, like Stephen was talking about earlier too, man, the next wave is this social gospel and critical race theory. This is going to be the thing that our kids are going to be battling, Jason. Uh, these are the things yeah. that they're going to be growing up with, with the, with, you know, obviously we, we, you and I went through the homosexual movement and the breakdown of the nuclear family in the nineties and the two thousands and into the right. into 2010s. And now we're into the social justice, the critical race theory, the trans movement, all those things. Uh, I would not, I would not be surprised if when my kids and, and mine are 11, nine and six, when they're my age, that they will be battling things like um, normalizing pedophilia, normalizing certain types of abuse crimes and things like that. Like trying to normalize it. That that is where it's headed. Uh, if we yeah. if we allow the culture, you know, well, it's gonna it's be where we're headed if the church keeps acquiescing to the culture. 
we are the last line of defense uh, against the wicked. The few, the the elect and the righteous are, and right. we need more men and women of God to stand up in principle and righteousness and speak out against that. Now we all have different ideas on how we do that, and you know <laughs> we all, we always say in love, and some of us have di- you know differences in what in love means. <laughs> I, I I would say if it's a life threatening thing. Uh, Mark Driscoll back in the day always used to give a great example of this saying, look at if, if, if I'm playing with my kid and, and he's five years old, and he starts running towards the street and there's a Mac truck barreling down the road. I'm not going to say, I think his name was Kelvin at the time or something. Kelvin, um, excuse me. Could you turn around? Can you come back, honey? He's going to go, no, I'm going to go over there, yell at him, use, you know, Kelvin, stop. It's going to be authoritative. It's going to be strong and it's going to mean something. Because the result, if they keep going in that direction, is going to be death. So I do understand that there has to be some urgency when we talk about these things. There has to, we have to speak from a place of authority. We do do it in love, but that's a whole other thing. You know, the definition of what love is is being kind of morphed and and twisted into something else. You know, now love means hey, let people do whatever they want, let them be. Well, that that's not love. Um, that's libertarian. Uh, that's a political system, but that's not Christian love. Yeah, I saw a uh, a meme today. I lo- I love memes, and uh, it, it man, I'm probably going to get this wrong. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if you noticed uh, a couple weeks ago, little little Nas X came out with some Satan shoes or something like that. Yeah, and uh, was oh some, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was some guy, uh, you know, it was just like a cartoon character. It was just like, if you don't like the product, just just don't buy it, you know. And then like right below it, it showed the Aunt Jemima um, yeah. uh, syrup, and the guy, uh, the cartoon character, was just like freaking out, <laughs> all red stuff. But uh, yeah, yeah I you- mean that is our culture <laughs> right now well certain people in our culture right now anyway stay with us we'll be right back this episode is brought to you by covenant real estate and why not it's my podcast and my real estate company but seriously i've absolutely enjoyed helping clients buy sell and invest in real estate over the last 12 years my brokerage serves clients in michigan and ohio with more states coming soon When I started this brokerage, I wanted to ensure that my expertise and knowledge would serve every one of my clients. I take my fiduciary responsibility to my clients very seriously. That's why I named it Covenant Real Estate. Not only is a covenant a contract in the legal sense, but it's also a solemn promise from myself to each of my clients. I will do my absolute best to serve you. It's also pretty cool that our name has some theological implications as well, which is a great conversation starter. And here's the best part. My agents and I have extensive experience in helping people buy and sell residential homes, buy and sell commercial properties, as well as investing in real estate and selling and purchasing recreational and vacant land. Covenant Real Estate can help you with all of your real estate needs, and I would love the opportunity to earn your business. So if you have real estate needs in Michigan or Ohio, call me at 734-731-GREG. That's 734-731-GREG. Or click on the link in the description of this podcast episode you're listening to right now. Remember, Covenant Real Estate. Confidence from contract to close. Well, you pick and choose what you want to have a stand against, right? I mean, that's that's what's going on with um, leftists. 
And I do make a distinction between leftists, liberals, and Democrats. I think those are three separate groups. Leftists are really what's driving the agenda on the political side, which then drives the culture, which then unfortunately is driving the gospel culture. That's my big concern. Mm. My big concern isn't so much, hey, I need to go out there and change the secular culture. Uh, That's just not, you know, and people might disagree with me. There might be very good, godly Christians out there that go, it's my job to go change secular culture. Look, we live in sin nature. My job is to, as, as a Christian, is to make sure that the gospel culture is being preached, proclaimed, and we're not giving up any ground on that. Because we, like I said before, we are the last line of defense, uh, so to speak, when it comes to, you, yep. can, you can say culture wars if you want. I don't really like that term just because Bill O'Reilly back in the 2000s wrote a book and it was a horrible book and whatever. But that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, I really get maybe this, maybe this is just because of my personality or, or maybe the way the Lord has wired me, but I get really upset when we have Christians getting so upset about non-believers doing non-believer things, yet they're totally fine with the church being hypocritical in doing non-gospel things. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It's like, we're the ones that are supposed to be the standard. We're the ones that are supposed to be above reproach. We're the ones that are supposed to have character, integrity, honesty, respectfulness, meekness, all those things. Yet they want to preach to an unrepentant, unbelieving. The Bible says they're going to do what they want to do. They don't know any better. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean we don't go in and we evangelize. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when your main goal is to stand in front of an unbeliever and say, these are all the things you're doing wrong and, and we need to change the way you think, you're never going to change the way they think until they have a regenerated heart, until they've received the grace of God, and until they understand who they are in relation to who God is. And that's why I think it's so important for the church in America to stand firm and and proclaim that first and foremost with a biblical worldview and, and then we can go in, into the culture. Um, it, it's just right. so frustrating for me because I meet people that say I'm a Christian. I go, what do you believe? I don't know. I'm just, I'm a Christian. I grew up in church. They don't know the first thing about the Lord. They don't know uh, how they got saved, if they're even baptized, but they just identify as a Christian because we're a air quotes Christian nation. I would, I would say that those, those people, a person like that, doesn't have the faintest clue on what a Christian actually is. And if you start talking to them um, about deep cultural issues with a biblical worldview without first explaining, am I truly saved? Little Joel uh, Webin uh, book plug there, who was on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and he, and he yeah. talks about this in that book. Uh, you're going to, you're just going to go around in circles. You know, I don't know. It's probably an unpo- more unpopular view. It sounds like then I'm being a seclusionist and I'm saying, oh, we shouldn't evangelize. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, let's do it properly. Let's start at uh you know square one instead of the 15th step hello noreen hey noreen how you doing if you want to talk we're just talking uh reformed theology we've been talking a little bit about oh the prosperity gospel critical race theory uh the social gospel western christianity we've been bouncing all around tonight but feel free to raise your hand we'll bring you up um but it looks like i I did cut out there for 30 seconds so you guys were like what is going on (laughs) But um, yeah, no. To, to sum that up is was basically you know we need to we need to learn how to evangelize. We need to start with Christ and Christ alone. We're never going to be able to go out there and out argue someone without a biblical worldview. That's that's an unbeliever living in a secular culture. You know, I, I love the uh, Michael Knowles and the Ben Shapiro's and the Dennis Prager's and all those things, but they're arguing. 
from a secular culture to a secular culture with biblical morality without really a biblical worldview. Now, you could say, you know, Dennis Prager and Ben Shapiro are both Jewish, so so they have some type of Judeo-Christian foundation, but they never bring any of those things up. And, and I think for unbelievers to understand where believers are coming from, yes, we have to meet them at, you know, in, in the secular culture, but it has to be first Christ and Christ alone, who they are in relation to God, and then go from there. Or, you know, we could be arguing and debating them all day. And, and I don't really know if Christ called us to argue or debate. Do you, Jason? Did you ever see Christ argue with someone and get on a debate stage with them, or did he just speak truth? He spoke truth. Yeah, he would always, uh, uh, what was it, Deuteronomy, um, Isaiah. Where, where, what were the five uh, books that he mainly quoted from? But but yeah, no, there, there was no debate. He just spoke truth direct. And people usually seem like they listened and it really, really just hit them square in the face where it should. Steven, you got any thoughts on any of that stuff, man, or anybody else? I know we're, we're talking a lot tonight. We don't, we don't want to um, take up all the airwaves. We have, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. No, here we go. A uh, new guest. Bring him up. Bring him up. Oh, yeah. Sweet. How do you, hey, can y'all hear me? Yeah. How do you say, yeah. how do you say your oh, name? Uh, Tutorio. Tutorio. Right. Tutorio. I like it. My boy Dwayne told me to check y'all out. Oh, I love it. We love Dwayne. Bar podcast. Great guy. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're going to see um, him nah, in October so... down at the G3 conference. Yeah, you'll see me with him. We, I'll, I'll be going with him. Nice. Sure. Now, so what, um, what's on your mind I, tonight, brother? I just wanted to, I don't know which one of you guys said it because I'm, I'm like dealing with my kids and stuff. I'm, I'm trying to listen at the same time. But somebody said something about as Christians, we get surprised when unbelievers act like unbelievers. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, no, I, I really, I rock with that because I live in the South and like, that's, that's really big out in the South. And it's crazy because as Reformed people, we love to preach total depravity, but we get surprised when lost people act depraved. <laughs> right. Um, and I just, man, I, I really, I really, um, resonate with that, man, because we got to stop as Christians being shocked when people who are not Christian do unchristian things. Um, that right. Oh, absolutely. That agree. Yeah, I mean, that it just I feel like it's counterproductive in terms of just witnessing to unbelievers when we get surprised because they act like unbelievers. Right. Well, well I'll tell you from personal experience and someone oh. else can jump in here, too, if they want to. I got caught up. Uh, you know, I've been involved in politics for over 14 years now and was always interested in it. And I found myself as a believer getting caught up in the politics of my side versus your side. So, it, it, you know, I, I was go, oh, this side did this and that side did that. And this political party did that. And it's like, uh, well, first of all, um, those people that are espousing those things are unbelievers. Why are you surprised by that? And second of all, it's not uh, my team versus your team. Your biblical worldview shouldn't be that way. Now, yes, you have to stand up for truth. Yes, you have to say what that person said or espouses to or preached or taught or is trying to pass legislation about is unbiblical. And, and this is why, but we shouldn't be surprised about it or retreat into our teams. And, and I found myself personally doing that and had to take a step back and go, Whoa, this isn't productive for the kingdom at all. Just because there's five or six or seven main political points that a political party lines up with, that doesn't mean I'm on that team. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm on team right. Christ, but, uh, when, when, uh, when, a, when a culture issue or a political issue supersedes that I found myself 
really not acting Christ-like. And, and it reverted me into like almost like a team sport and then getting surprised when the, when that other side did what they said they were going to do, uh, back, back to your point. Um, is it, you said Chirito? Chitorio. Chitorio? Yeah. Yeah. It took, it, yeah, took man, you it took me five weeks to remember Jason's name on our podcast. So yeah, sorry, Chitorio. Yeah, we've known each other for twenty years. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> twenty-five, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, man. I something I just thought about the Just Thinking podcast. The first episode that I ever listened to, probably when they first blew up, man. That's the exact words that they said about um, the George Floyd situation. Whenever people. Um, started uh looting and burning down cities and um uh, doing all these things he was just like what what else do you expect that they would do you know like that that hit me you know square square in the face man because i mean i was i was just like well i can't believe these you know these people are doing that and then he said that i was just like oh yeah yeah definitely that's exactly like that's exactly true (laughs) like what else would would uh depraved people you know do um that don't know christ and just react out of emotion um but uh but yeah Yeah, yeah. i mean politically you even saw that over four years with the with with the um trumpers too and i don't want to i'm not trying to get political here but you saw an undying dedication to what uh what a man said his every word and then even to the point to where you know, there was there was a lot of Trumpers at the. It was like no, when yeah, they did what, the, uh, the riot rush on the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, it was like, what did you expect them to do? Yeah, there's there's probably a lot of believers who voted for Trump, but there's also a lot of unbelievers, probably the majority of them that voted for Trump. So, what would you expect? So, kind of taking it on the other side of the aisle there with your example, Jason. But you're exactly right, and. Yeah, anyone who's on here, go listen to Just Thinking. Uh, Daryl and Virgil are awesome, and I know uh, Dwayne uh, works with them on that podcast. It's it's just unbelievable. Those guys are uh, two men of God that just really know how to lay out real deep issues in a very simple way, a biblical way too. But yeah, well, why would we be surprised by that? So, but going back to my earlier point, what really kind of gets underneath my skin is when we have Bible-believing, Christ-professing Christians acting that way in the guise of a political stance in the guise of this is where the culture is going in the guise of a twisted critical theory. When the church starts doing that, that's kind of where I get, it gets under my skin and I go, okay, we, we have to get our ship right. You know? And I know everyone just goes, Oh, you're just nitpicking a ministry or you're nitpicking a preacher or a teacher or a YouTuber or whatever. And I don't want to get into that where it's you're nitpicking, but we do have to stand for truth. Right. And, and I'm not talking about secondary or third doctrinal issues or things like that. I'm talking about like blatant anti Bible theology and then running around and using terms like Christian and saved and believer and God and Bible and Christian. And I think that's why God said, look at, I'd rather you be cold than lukewarm. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. I mean, I don't want my name defamed. Um, is that the right word defamed? No, I don't know. That works. Does yeah. it work? I don't know. I got going on a rant and then forgot what I was saying. 
I recently had a friend um, who, uh, first of all, I, I, I think he's he's in apostasy. Um, I, I've already talked to him about it. Um, uh, but anyway, he said he thinks that the church needs to evolve. And pretty much what he was saying was like taking on new doctrine um, of like, you know, what marriage is and what, uh, you know, the family looks like and, and uh, so, so many different things we talked about, but also that he didn't. Um, believe anything that Paul said. And like, he was just going on a rant and it just really surprised me that someone that grew up in the, in the church, like his, his dad, he was a missionary kid. His dad was a, was a pastor, you know, like all these things like, and, and also he's moved across the world in like a few different spots. And, uh, and I know that he started uh, just dabbling in, in different philosophies and, and different uh, religions. And he's just kind of been pulled away from, you know, the, the, the true essence of the gospel. But all that to say, like, like we, we are not supposed to evolve as the Christian church, you know, like, like there's not a, um, there's not something that we're, we're turning into besides, uh, our sanctification process, like becoming more like Christ. Yes. But like, we're not becoming something outside of what the word says. Right. Right. So, you know, it's, it, it was just, it was a, it was an eye opening conversation for me because like, you know, I mean, like, especially a, a, a good friend that, you know, like you keep in touch with, you've known them for a long time. And then all of a sudden they tell you what their faith is or is not anymore, you know, and it just really makes you pull back. Like, like, oh my gosh, like you, you believe what, like what? what do you think about redemption? What do you think about regeneration? Like, what do you think about these things that you used to ascribe to? And, you know, I could talk to you about biblically, yeah, but anyway, yeah. I, I'll say this very quickly and then someone else can jump in if they want. Every person that I've met, so I'm going to assume that the percentage is high. If it's a hundred percent for me, it's got to be high across the board. That is either grown up in church or that's a pastor's kid or that once up professed to be a Christian, two things has happened. I can almost guarantee you one, they no longer believe in the sufficiency of the word of God. And two, it's been a very, very, very long time since they've delighted themselves in the word of God, whether through reading, supplication, meditation, praise, or worship. You take those two wow. things away and your and your yeah. worldview can change overnight. You know, 100%. I mean, Martin Luther got up every morning and prayed for four hours and then was, was, you know, upset with himself if he couldn't go longer than that, because he said four hours barely sustains me through the rest of the day because I'm such a horrible person. And, and there's things that I you know want to do uh, that I know I shouldn't do. And I can tell you right now, I don't spend four hours a day in the word. I should, I probably should start there. I really probably need to change my habits and, and get up early before we start to homeschool and do the Bible study with the kids and spend that time. But, but I've always found people who have either fallen away, whatever wording you want to use, fallen away or don't believe or don't profess, those are the first two things that go. The sufficiency of the Bible, it's not good enough. We need to evolve. It's it's uh, olden times. It, it's not for today. The sufficiency goes, and I can almost guarantee you if you ask a person like that, when is the last time that you've meditated on the Word of God, that you've read through it and meditated on it, they would probably say, probably right before I fell away or you know what I mean? Or, or a very long time. I just don't think if you have those two things at the top of your head, uh, the sufficiency and the meditation on the word of God, I, I would say it's very hard for you to then have a secular worldview about the gospel. Definitely. Steven, Steven, you were about to say something. Yeah, just about to agree 
I think it would probably be 100% for me to do the people I know who have uh, fallen away, same situation. I think it really is um, the, that really is the fulcrum. Like if you, you know, you're either going to be, um, you know, delighting in God's word, reading your Bible, praying, uh, and you'll be, and you'll be growing in the Lord. And if you're not, you're going to be falling away. That's like the tipping point, right? That's one thing I pray often. Uh, that in fact, I think, uh, when I don't like have much time to pray for someone, my, my believing friends, that's like the, the most important thing I do is that and for myself as well, um, that God would give me a delight for his word and, and my friends and family as well. You know, if I'm only going to have one sentence to pray for them, that's the thing it is, because, uh, you know, again, it's the crux of everything we believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's so good. So true. All right, guys, got any final words here? We'll wrap it up for tonight. We've gone about 40, uh, almost 50 minutes here. Um, Anyone else have anything as we wrap up or want to give a shout out to uh, what they're up to? I know, um, Jason, say his name again so I don't mess it up again. Is it, Ch- you said? Chatorio. Ch- Chatorio. Chatorio. Give us, we like we like new uh, people who jump in the room. We like to hear a little bit about themselves. So give us a little one minute bio on who you are, where you're at, and what you're up to. Oh, my bad, y'all. Can y'all hear me? Yep. My, okay. My yep. bad. I, I gotta handle my dad duties. <laughs> um, oh, I hear you. No, I'm so I'm in. I'm out here in Greenville, uh, South Carolina. Um, I am a husband first, dad second. Um, I uh, serve at a small church plant up here in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, I've been with uh, Dwayne doing the bar probably about since 2014, 14 to 15. Oh wow. Oh, so you yeah. work, do you work on the podcast with him? Yeah, man. Yeah, we, I, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I co-host with him. Um, and uh. We go to all the conferences together for the most part. We went to Founders together. We've been to most most all the G3s together. Were, um, were you we at Li- up, Were you at Ligonier been, just a few weeks ago, or did just Dwayne go out there? I didn't get to. I didn't get to go to Ligonier. I man, I couldn't. I couldn't swing it. I couldn't swing it because <laughs> it was too close to right after G3. I mean, uh, right after the Founders conference and with working stuff and being at home because my, my my wife's pregnant right now. So, uh oh, oh wow. No traveling. Yeah, you are, uh, is the handlebar still in Greenville, South Carolina? Oh man, no. The handlebar, the handlebar has been gone for a couple of years now, man. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, I, I was in a band. Uh, we used to tour all the time. <laughs> we we played there a couple of times. But uh, yeah, yeah. Jason, the you... and the handlebar used to be the spot. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Jason has kept his streak alive. There will be random people <laughs> from around the world that we will talk to. And he will just go, where are you from? And they say something. And he goes, oh, is uh, is the dusty hat still there? Uh, and they're like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I played there. He was an international touring musician. I think he's been to every city uh, in the Northern Hemisphere. It's hilarious. So you kept your streak alive, Jason. We met someone new. And uh, yes, you you know their area. That's that's awesome, man, that you remember that. Yeah, going we'll on my G3? internet. Yeah, yeah, we'll be. Yep, yep. We'll be at G3. Okay. Yep. Yeah. We'll road. be at... Uh, Fight last beast too, or I wish, man, I wish we could get Dwayne out there, get y'all. You know what? You know what's crazy? Like, so who's that? Founders Chocolate Knox was begging us to come out. Yeah, one of those, man. So, well, it's in Nashville in October. I want to say y'all need to come to that. Yeah, we we might have to. I'll have to call call Dwayne. uh, See what we can come up with. Yeah, man. 
Cool. Well, we'll definitely we'll definitely see you in Atlanta in uh, when is that October? I think. So yeah, hundred percent. That'll be cool. There's nothing better than meeting brothers in the Lord from around the nation when you go to these different things and immediate bond because you have the bond of uh, Christ. And isn't that an awesome thing? Yes, sir. All right, guys, we'll wrap it up tonight. Thanks for jumping in. I really appreciate you guys uh, with everything that you said. You guys make the room. Just so you know, this is a recorded room as well too. These episodes clubhouse series comes out on dead men walking podcast every thursday we throw them up there believe it or not last week's was one of our top performing episodes for uh, clubhouse i think people like to hear uh just not necessarily me and jason but other people talking uh about these types of things so it, it's a it's yeah. a very popular format so i'm gonna keep doing them jason i know you had some work to do tonight i appreciate you jumping on and always co-hosting as usual <laughs> steven has been in geez I think all four, maybe three out of the four that we've done so far. This is still new. Love having Steven on. Always good. Always good. But guys, uh, I'm going to end the room and uh, we appreciate you jumping on. God bless. Thanks, guys. See you later. later. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Dead Men Walking Podcast for full video podcast episodes and clips or email us at deadmenwalkingpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to check us out at dmwpodcast.com where you can purchase the best and snarkiest merch on the internet, support the show, and leave us a review or message. Dead Men Walking can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Dead Men Walking Podcast and on Twitter X at Real DMW Podcast. The Dead Men Walking Podcast is part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. For exclusive show content, be sure to download the Pub TV app and become a member. If you're a business that needs to reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers in your demographic, podcast advertising might be for you. Send all inquiries to Dead Men Walking Podcast at gmail.com. None your biscuits.